If you have your Bibles this morning, please open them to the Gospel of John. That is where we have been at for the last several Sundays on, uh, on Sunday morning. We have been asking ourselves the question, who is Jesus Christ? If you remember, as we began our study in John's account of the Gospel, John in the opening verses stacks one claim on top of the other about who Jesus Christ is. And when you look at the evidence, it is easy to draw the conclusion that Jesus Christ is exactly who He said He was. So we started this new series that we've entitled Meeting Jesus Christ, Believe and Live. And that is what our hopes, our desires is, is that we would have an opportunity with fresh eyes to, have, to see Jesus Christ once again for who He really is in our lives. So I shared with you at the end of that sermon, or really at the beginning of that sermon last week, that I believe the most important question anyone can ever ask and anyone can ever answer is that question, who is Jesus Christ? If I were to ask you this morning to take out a piece of paper and just jot down on that piece of paper who you think Jesus Christ is, would it match up with what God's Word teaches us about Jesus Christ? In the first nine verses, it is just one claim after another about Jesus Christ and who He is. Well, if that is the most important question, who is Jesus, then the second most important question I believe that anyone can ever ask themselves is this, am I a genuine Christian? Do I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Actually, we are encouraged in God's Word to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. I see a great danger in what is being called Christianity in modern-day America. What is being taught from many of the pulpits of churches doesn't match up with what we see in God's Word. If we are truly a people of the Word, we must allow God's Word to direct what we believe about salvation. I fear over the last 20 to 30 years, the church in general has proclaimed an incomplete gospel. And we've done it for the sake of church growth, and the result has been devastating. Churches have groups of people who are more in love with the things of the world than they are in love with Jesus Christ and His things. We have attempted to take salvation and boil it down to praying a prayer. And then what we have done is we have given people a false sense of assurance about their salvation. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what it is I'm saying this morning. I'm not saying it's ever wrong for us to express our faith in Jesus Christ through prayer. But I do hope you know this morning, simply praying a prayer doesn't make a person right with God. It is our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross that makes us right with Him. 
what we notice when we look at the person who has truly been or truly trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, what we notice about them is this, that their lives have been changed. The person that has genuinely been born again has been regenerated. Born from above. There is something different about their life that characterizes them as truly belonging to Jesus Christ. Would you agree with me on that this morning? I would hope that we would all agree upon that today. I'm reminded of the story of Nicodemus when he came to Jesus Christ and he acknowledges to Jesus Christ that Jesus must be from God. He could not do the miracles that he did. And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, if you want to go to the kingdom of heaven or if you want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. Salvation is a miracle of God. We can no more birth ourselves spiritually than we can birth ourselves physically. It is a work of God in the heart of mankind. It is heaven come down to you and I. It is trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. What I think is needed is true biblical teaching and preaching of God's Word concerning genuine salvation. So the question I want us to consider this morning is this, where do we begin? Well, I think John provides us some guidance in our text that we're going to look at this morning concerning genuine salvation. This morning what I want to do is I want to offer you three truths concerning genuine salvation. The first two I'm going to move through kind of quickly. The last one is actually rooted and grounded in our text. And then what I want to do from there, I want to make some practical application from this text to our lives. So if you're taking notes this morning, let me share with you the first two truths concerning salvation. First, genuine salvation begins with an understanding of who you are. I believe this is the element of the gospel that is being left out. Any gospel presentation that does not address the condition of mankind at best is incomplete. The clear teaching of God's Word is man is radically deprived or depraved, I'm sorry. Man is not basically good. And as a result of that, we are living under the wrath of God. Paul makes this very clear to us in the opening chapter of the book of Romans. In that chapter, he says, the wrath of God is being poured out on all the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of mankind. Listen, folks, we sin because our very nature is one of sinfulness. We can try to clean up our lives. We can stop doing bad and start trying to do good. But at the end of the day, we cannot change our nature. Genuine salvation begins with the understanding of who you are. 
Now, when we think about that, that genuine salvation leads to an understanding of who we are, that leads us to the second truth concerning genuine salvation. When a person understands who they are and that they are helpless to change their condition, it leads them to a genuine brokenness over their sinfulness. That is the second truth concerning genuine salvation. What I want you to do this morning is turn your Bibles over to Acts, the second chapter, real quick. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is a story that many of us are familiar with today. This is the story of Pentecost. Paul, I mean, Peter has just finished his great message in chapter 2 addressing the condition of mankind. Now listen to what he says here in verse 37. Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? This group had been confronted in their sinfulness and their conscience had been pricked. They recognized they were utterly helpless to change their sinful condition. And they were heartbroken. And they cried out to Peter, what must we do? They saw themselves for who they truly were. And they saw God for who He truly was, a holy, righteous, and a just God. And when they saw God for who they truly were, they could not help but see themselves for who they truly were. They recognized their sinfulness, and their heart broke over their sinful condition. Genuine salvation starts with an understanding of who we are that leads us to a brokenness over our sinfulness. Let me stop right here and ask you a question this morning. Is that true of your life today? Has there ever been a time where you've taken a step back and you really have seen yourself for who you really are? That you realize that you are utterly hopeless and helpless to change your condition. And that has led you to a genuine brokenness over your sinfulness. It is only as we realize who we truly are that will lead us to a genuine brokenness over our sinfulness that will point us to the need of Jesus Christ as the Savior of our lives. So that brings us to the third one. Number three, genuine salvation requires both Believing and receiving. Did you notice what I said? I didn't say that genuine salvation just requires believing. I said genuine salvation requires both receiving and believing. I often hear people say when it comes to salvation, the only thing you need to do is just believe. I want us to look at God's Word this morning, and I want us to allow God's Word to determine what we truly believe about salvation. 
I want you to listen to this text with me. Follow along with me as I begin reading here in verse 10. Chapter 1 of the book of John. He was in the world, that is Jesus Christ, and the world was made through Him. Yet the world did not know Him. Now we know what John is saying in this verse of Scripture here. He is saying that Jesus Christ was in the world and by Him and for Him and through Him, all things have its existence. We learned that the very first week, didn't we? When we looked at the fact that Jesus Christ is the creator of the world. And he goes on in this one, he says, Yet the world did not know Him. Now listen to what he says here in verse 11. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Jesus Christ was rejected. Now listen to me very carefully here this morning. This is just a little practical application for our lives from this verse of Scripture. If you choose to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I can promise you in the same way that Jesus Christ was rejected, you too will be rejected. You can't choose to follow Jesus Christ. Truly seek to live out the truths, the principles, and the commands of God's Word. Really follow Jesus Christ with all your heart in this world and not be rejected. It is impossible. At some point in time when we make the decision in life to choose to follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it will bring us into conflict with the world in which we live in. Isn't that true? Yes, we'll either be rejected by friends at some time or we'll be rejected by our, our, our family or we may be rejected by co-workers or schoolmates. But at some point in time, when we choose to stand up for Christ in the world in which we live in, we will be rejected just like Jesus Christ. That's the truth of the matter. That's what Jesus Christ, or that's what John said here in this passage of Scripture, that Jesus Christ, even though he had come into the world. The world did not know him. Even his own people chose to not receive him. Now listen to what he says here in verse 12, because this is the key. But to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Did you see what John said in verse 12 there? He said, to all who received him, who all believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we read this passage of Scripture, John makes it so very clear that in order for us to know Jesus Christ in a personal way, we must believe and we must receive Him into our hearts and into our lives. Genuine salvation requires both believing and receiving. So let's make a couple of practical applications for our lives from this passage of Scripture. First, Jesus wants to make your heart His home. He desires a personal relationship with you. 
Now, the key to making Jesus Christ or making our heart the home of Jesus Christ is found in two words in this passage of Scripture. Jesus said, I mean, John said, we must believe and we must receive. In order for Jesus Christ to take up residence in our life, it requires both receiving and believing on the name of Jesus Christ. One of the major issues with this text is our understanding of that word, believe. In our English language, we have taken that word and we have emptied it of its true meaning. In our language, it means to give mental affirmation to a fact. For instance, I believe the sky is blue. That statement is a mental affirmation to a fact. But in the original language, the word believe means to yield yourself up or give yourself fully to the one in whom you have trusted. It carries the ideal of throwing the full weight of your life on someone else. Now, isn't that exactly what salvation is? In salvation, aren't we fully or aren't we throwing the full weight of our lives upon Jesus Christ and what He did at the cross for us? In salvation, you transfer the title of your heart by transferring your trust to Jesus Christ. That is what it means to believe and receive. Now, we need to understand something here. These two, receiving and believing, are not exclusive of one another. The opposite is true. They are actually inclusive of one another. For years and years, the debate has swirled around Jesus as Lord and Jesus as Savior as though one is possible without the other, but not according to John. John said to those who believe and those who receive, he gave the rights to become children of God. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul said in Romans the 10th chapter. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now listen to me very carefully this morning. You can believe, you can give a mental assent to the facts about Jesus Christ without receiving Jesus, and if that is true in your life, that means you are lost. That is possible. As one old preacher said, many people are going to miss heaven by six inches. The difference between their head and their heart. They know facts about Jesus, but they don't truly know Jesus personally. I believe there are people like that in every church. I believe it's possible there are people seated here this morning who are just like that. They have given a mental assent 
to the facts about Jesus Christ. They could tell you all of the facts concerning Jesus Christ, who He is. They could tell you this morning that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. They could tell you this morning that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. They could tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ willingly went and hung on a cross and He hung there and He died. And on the third day He rose from the grave, but they have never ever yielded their heart to Jesus Christ. They have never trusted Him. And without fully trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is utterly impossible for a person to be saved. That is the truth of God's Word. The truth of God's Word is we must believe and we must receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's possible for a person to believe without receiving, but it is utterly impossible for a person to receive without believing. The second application we can make from this passage of Scripture this morning is this. God only has children. In God's family, there is no such thing as grandchildren. Did you notice that in this text? Go back with me and listen to what he says here in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become grandchildren of God. No, that's not what it says, does it? No. He gave the right for them to become children of God. When we stand before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we stand before Him not based on who our parents were, not based on who our grandparents were. When we stand before Jesus Christ, we stand before Jesus Christ based on who we are in Jesus Christ. You don't inherit salvation from your family member. You must know Jesus in a personal way. And the only way for a person to know Jesus in a personal way is by believing and receiving Him into their heart and life. I think this point is best illustrated by a man that I knew in the first church that I pastored. His name was Scotty Simmons. When I first went to be the pastor of Lion Creek, I met Scotty. I knew his mother and his brother. And Scotty was one of those young men whose life was in utter chaos. Scotty had been in trouble with the law more times than anyone could count on fingers and toes. One time he got in trouble with the law and I went over to visit with him by request of his mother. When I showed up at Scotty's home, I began to talk with him about his relationship with the Lord. And I'll never forget what Scotty told me. He said, Brother Jeff, I want you to know something. I'm a believer. I can still remember at the age of eight, 
I walked the aisle of that church at Lion Creek, and I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I didn't argue with Scotty about that. I just said, okay, Scotty. I said, I tell you what, Scotty, why don't you and I do this? Why don't we begin to meet once a week, and let's start studying the Word of God together. So once a week, we began to meet and study the book of John. About four weeks in to that study, Scotty looked up at me with tears in, my eye, in his eyes. And he said to me, Brother Jeff, I am so lost. All of my life, I have been giving mental assent to facts about Jesus Christ, but I have never truly trusted Him as my Lord and my Savior. I have never yielded my life to Him, and what I need more than anything else is I need Jesus Christ. And that day, sitting in his kitchen at his table, he turned his heart over to the Lord. He believed and he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. On Sunday morning, when he came down the aisle of that church, he shared his testimony with those people. And his testimony was more effective than a hundred sermons that I could preach. Because when he stood up in front of that people, this is what he said, You know me. You know as a young boy I walked the aisle of this church. I could have told you all of the facts about Jesus Christ. I could have told you he was a virgin. I had gone to Sunday school all of my life. I could tell you that he was born of a virgin. I could tell you who willingly went to the cross, that he lived a sinless life. I could tell you that he rose from the grave on the third day. I could tell you he was seated next to uh, God in heaven, and one day he was going to return. But I can tell you right now, I was lost. I did not know Jesus Christ. I had never, ever yielded my life to Jesus Christ. I had never, ever believed and received Him into my heart and into my life. But today, I know Him because I have yielded my life to Him today. You see, I think there's a lot of Scotties in churches today. They've given a mental assent to some facts about Jesus Christ. But they've never yielded their life to Him. And if they were to look into the depths of their heart, they would know that Jesus is not truly their Savior. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is that true of you today? I didn't ask if your name was on a church roll somewhere and if you had been baptized. I didn't ask if you went to Sunday school. I asked, do you know that you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you believed and received Him into your life? Father God, we thank you for your word and the way it speaks into our hearts this morning. We thank you for the truth, Lord. We thank you for the evidence, Lord. 
And if somebody really truly wants to know if they know Jesus Christ, the only thing they need to do is weigh the evidence. Has there been a time in their life where they truly have understood who they are and that they are utterly helpless and hopeless to change their condition? Has there been a time in their life where they have been broken over their sinfulness? And have they received and believed in Jesus Christ? If they're here this morning and they have never done that, they've never thrown the full weight of their life upon Jesus Christ, I pray today would be the day. Lord, you work during our time of invitation. You be honored and glorified. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.